This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. January 5th, 2023. I am Dan Rubin, and you can see the lovely faces of Mark Porter and Bill Kerlick. If you are on board, we are live on Facebook, the Twitter, and YouTube. Please join in. As you can see, if you're participating with us live, you can ask questions. We'd like to answer them. And as with every show you you sign on to, Had you been here for the five minutes prior to going to air, you would have enjoyed the show much more. But again, that's for the uh, double premium users who get the uh, behind the scenes action. All right. We're going to try and inject some positivity into life today, as we are wont to do. But we're going to start with a quick look back at the Peach Bowl. Mark and Bill have not been on the air since. We're not on last Thursday. I was out of town and yada, yada. Mark did a tremendous Buckeye in the Sky on the game. Uh, That's been an incredible addition to the site to be able to do those legit video breakdowns, kind of the answer key to what went down. Now that you've had a chance to sit on it and uh, think about it, we're going to let each guy kind of give your lasting memory or impression of the Peach Bowl before we go on further. Mark, what did you learn from the film? And now that you've had a few days to think about it, what's your kind of like 5-0 on the whole thing? Yeah, I have a couple takeaways, actually. Um, the taste that was left in your mouth after the Michigan game of you, a lot of fans, you could feel it, were angry at the team, uh, thought they quit, thought they gave up. Um, I think that has been erased in a big-time way by the effort that the Buckeyes showed out there. And C.J. Stroud had a lot to do with that. Uh, I think playing one of his best games uh, leadership-wise, effort-wise, the chip on the shoulder-wise, and I think the chip on the shoulder on the rest of the team, the effort they gave, that was the national championship game. Uh, I don't. I think you know TCU isn't going to be able to play with Georgia. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I, think, I think Las Vegas would agree. Yeah. So I think that was the national championship game, and you saw the Buckeyes go not only toe to toe with that Georgia team, but I think they should have won. You know, and I'm, and usually I'm the devil's advocate saying ah whatever, but you know the Buckeyes were missing a lot of key players. 
Um, it's, it, I hate to give that excuse, and I'm not an excuse maker, but wow, with, with the Ohio State's back up against the wall and people making fun of them and their defense and whatever, and there's still those questions. That'll be a part of my next thing I say here. Very proud of the team that left that field. I think it it kind of gives you a, a positive feel, even though they lost. Uh, I think C.J. Stroud was obviously the story. That's probably been covered to death. He played as good as we expected him ever. Not that he's ever played bad, but he took it to another level. He showed there was more to his game. And, you know, you heard the announcers talking about the risk-taking and Ryan Day was going to open it up and not hold back. And you see that that flavor really suited this team well. And I think another one of my takeaways was, okay, we lost uh, Smith the Jigba. Uh, it took those receivers eight games, nine games to grow up. You know, they were thrown into the fire, and you saw what they looked like as seasoned veterans with confidence. And it's a shame Marvin Harrison went out because, boy, I mean, he's making you forget about some of the receivers in the past already. Uh, I think that receiver room is as deep as any receiver room in the country. Um, and the last thing is I'm not going to blame Jim Knowles, and I'm not going to give him credit. There is some terrible defense being played by Ohio State, and it's due to the players not so much the scheme. It, it could be any coach putting these players in one-on-one -on -one battles. We're losing one-on-one -on -one battles at Ohio State, whether it's up front, whether it's a corner, whether it's sometimes at safety. Uh, and that happens no matter what defense you call. So you, all you can do as a coordinator is give one guy one gap, and that guy has to own that gap. And that's not simply being done. And all you can do is line guys up or, hey, you're man-to-man -man out here. You're covering this guy. There's no double coverage on that field. Very rarely do you get the double coverage. So, you know, the talent that these other teams have, especially that natural – give them credit, Georgia. That's a very talented, fast team, and they're going to expose one-on-ones where they think they have a dominating lineman against your weakest, you know, uh, defensive lineman, and vice versa. We have offensive linemen that are losing one-on-one -on -one battles. So I, I'm not going to hang Jim Knowles or, you know, get into this discussion. I mean, I know I'm bringing it up, but I think that the playing on that type of a level at the top, those things will be exposed no matter how good you are. But the talent and the players have to step up on defense because the, the amount of points that we've given up is shocking for what you're trying to accomplish with the recruits you're supposed to be getting. And you know what? Same can be said for Georgia. Their defense got smoked, too. And it was full of first-round draft picks last year. So, you know, someone gave me a question in the breakdown. Is offensive, you know, football different now? Yeah, it is. You know, it's, it's definitely different. It's the high tempo, more possessions, you know, uh, more skill guys playing sooner at skill positions, more quarterbacks being developed younger. It's, it's, leaded to, it's leading to a lot of offense in college football. A couple things. One, both of the uh, playoff semifinals were great games, largely in my – thought is to because they got like three weeks to rest and get their bodies healthy back again three weeks at the end of a football season to get ready man those guys were feeling good out there and um i also think if you give ryan day and i give georgia credit three weeks to prepare for anything he's going to have some wrinkles in there man that you're going to be up against it um and there's that i also want to comment on something you said earlier on the show on monday i tuesday i flew solo and talked about perspective and I mentioned that there's a Georgia narrative that that was Ohio State's A-plus game and Georgia's C game. I'm not saying that was uh, – my point about the injuries was 
and people say I blame injuries. I'm not blaming injuries. I'm blaming injuries if you're going to call it their A-plus game. You can't tell me Ohio State put out their A-plus game when two receivers are going to end up combining for about $200 million in the next 10 years, weren't on the field. You were down to your fourth string running back from training camp, okay? This is not uh, – those aren't normal injuries. Ohio State, what happened to their skill players this year? Their tight ends, they were down to a guy who never took any snaps. We played Michigan game with a walk-on. So I, I'm not saying injuries are the excuse. I'm saying don't claim Ohio State played their A-plus game with their B-minus roster. All right. William? Your final thought on the Peach Bowl before we turn it to uh, your wheelhouse. Well, really echoing what you guys have said. I, As that game was going down the wire, I, I was not in Georgia because I was getting ready to go to Texas and all but um, uh, for the All-American Bowl. But I said to my wife, it's just amazing that Ohio State – is where they are continuing to move the ball down the field. Who would have thought, who would have really bet on Ohio State if you said they're playing for basically the national championship against Georgia without Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, Cade Stover, who would have thought they'd be doing what they're doing? And I'm just almost on one astonishment look at this look what they're doing without all of those guys against a good georgia team um to me that's you know somewhat amazing and it credit to recruiting as well you got guys to step up walk-ons were stepping up people often say who cares about a walk-on well uh (laughs) you saw why you bring on walk-ons in that game uh, at wide receiver, they're playing with a, a, a walk-on that earned a scholarship eventually. Um, it, Rossi, you know, at tight end, guys are making contributions. That's why walk-ons are important. They they can pan out, and usually one or two do pan out. Um, you know, you talked about the national championship game. Uh, a very prime. Put this in my rumblings com, uh, column. A very prominent high school coach messaged me after that game, uh, one of the top high school programs in the country. And he said, he said, Ohio state played their rear ends off. That was the national championship game. And they were the better team is basically what he said. Uh, It didn't go their way at the end, but they were the better team. Um, And again, without a lot of key players. So being in Texas, that was the vibe. Um, how well Ohio State did, and the, there was a lot of vibe down there that uh, you guys touched on it. If Marvin Harrison finishes that game, Ohio State wins, basically, was a lot of what I heard in Texas. So uh, I guess the other thing was, you know, Ohio State just has to play, as Mark touched on it, they got to play better defensively. You know, it, it reminded me a little bit of a year or two years ago when they had to, the last game or two, the last two games, they had to outscore people to win. And that's what happened uh, in the Georgia game. And, you know, I will say this, though, for Buckeye fans, help is on the way. You know, the secondary. (laughs) I've sung the praises for a long time about Jermaine Matthews, at cornerback. Uh, He is going to be a really good one for Ohio State. Uh, I saw him, and I I think he's a great player. Um, You've got 
Simps, Calvin Simpson, Hunt, and yeah, hold that, hold, yeah, hold that thought, Bill. We'll get to the guys who were in uh, Texas because I want you to do that in, in perpetuity here. Okay. But let's 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 reset the thing here. I want to let everyone know you referred to Texas. So Bill has just returned. Uh, he took the red eye back from San Antonio last night. Rested, reflect, jeez, rested and refreshed for us here this morning. However, you got a chance to see a bunch of dudes down there. It was the All American Bowl, which is coming up on the seventh. But uh, all the key practices were this week. This was the bowl to be at practice-wise. Ohio State had seven guys down there. Now, I want to do this this way. Uh, earlier this week, we released uh, Mark's uh, evaluation of Lincoln Kineholz, and Lincoln was down at the All-Star game. So I'm going to have Mark do kind of a little thing on Lincoln, and then, Bill, you can take it from there and let us know how Lincoln fared down there, and then kind of break down, like you said, the rest of the dudes. And we are eager to hear what you have to say about Calvin Simpson Hunt because I have a feeling – this guy is going to be seen as someone of the Messiah here to fix our problems. But Mark Lincoln Kineholtz, um, your thoughts on him as a prospect, whether you think he fits in with Ohio state and maybe how he fits in with the other quarterbacks they're recruiting Ohio side. Yeah. Uh, South Dakota isn't exactly the hotbed for quarterbacks. So the first thing you're going to do is I question the talent and I question everything about him. I was being devil's advocate. And after watching, you know, 10 minutes of highlights and seeing his body of work and checking out some film, he's passing all the tests. Again, Ohio State pulls a quarterback out of nowhere near signing day that we're not talking about all year, that you look on film and you're saying, why haven't we been talking about him? Uh, has the stature, 6'2", 6'3". The only knock I think I had on him is he's a little bit light. He's only about 180 pounds, which that's the easiest thing to fix in the world when you get into college. I'll take kids that are 10 or 15 pounds light all day because we have a straight scrooge in a weight room that'll take pride in filling that frame out. He threw the ball hard. Uh, he had multiple 90-yard runs, 80-yard runs, where he ran away from everybody on the field and ran away from them convincingly. So he may be the best athlete in our quarterback room once he gets here if you were to really race these guys and – three cone him and stuff like that. Would he crush the other guys by a lot? No, but I think coming out of high school, he's definitely fleet of foot. Um, delivery was smooth and repeatable. He let a few balls go where he has the arm strength. Uh, again, he's a guy that you'll have no problem developing, and he fit, I think, what Ohio State was looking for. Uh, but, yeah, as far as athletics go, he might be the best of all of the kids in the room right now. And I'm sure one of the kids is going to hear this and say, wait till he gets on campus, I'll prove you wrong. You know, athletically, I don't think there's really an argument against that uh, in terms of just like high school athlete. Now, uh, you need to take this with a Buckeye-sized grain of salt, but he's one of the best athletes in the history of the state of South Dakota. I mean, he's a tremendous basketball player. So we have a, a way to search photos for the AP. Yeah. There's photos on the AP of him hooping from two weeks ago. So Yeah, no, there's, there's clips athlete. of him hooping. And there's clips of him playing defense where he's a great safety. He was all yeah. over making interceptions, locking guys down. So, yeah, I, I know there's some good athletes in our quarterback room. But on film, coming out of high school, he really makes you – I didn't expect to see that good of an athlete. And then I didn't expect him to document it over and over again. So I have to get behind it. You know, it was like, okay, was that just one run against a bad team? Oh, no, here he is on defense against – oh, here he is another run against another team, and here's basketball versus multiple teams. So it's not, you know, the film fooling you. It, it's a body of work that he presented. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, Bill, he was down in Texas. Um, there were a lot of great players down there. I think Lincoln might have been a late ad. Keep in mind, this he is was. not a guy who came totally out of nowhere. He was committed to Washington. Um, I think it's fair to say we probably don't get a lot of South Dakota football info uh, here east of the Mississippi. But um, how did he fare down there, Bill? And then the floor is yours after that to just take it. And uh, let us know who was down in Texas, who impressed you, et cetera. Well, I'm not going to lie about Lincoln. When he first walked in to the check-in, I was not overly impressed physically with him. He, you know, he, he looked a little thin. He, you know, he just wasn't physically a big kid. Um, so I wasn't overly impressed initially in that regard, which, but um, I don't remember one thing he said, and you guys hit on this. We we're talking about being a three sports star and um, you guys mentioned him in basketball. He had a division one basketball offer. I believe it was South Dakota or South Dakota, one of those schools. It was division one basketball as a point guard. Legit. And, you know, it's not easy to get yeah. a division one scholarship offer as a point guard. It's much more <laughs> It's much harder, it's going to sound incredible, to get a Division One offer as a guy who looks like Lincoln Keinholz than it is to get one as a quarterback. That's a fact. Take that to the bank. Basketball scholarships are the hardest thing to come by. Go ahead, Bill. So I wasn't overly impressed, but then um, uh, talking to him, I was impressed. But uh, then he got on the field for the first practice. And I wasn't even sure that was him because they had the numbers kind of messed up. The numbers didn't coincide with what we were given. But I thought that looks like Lincoln Keenholz. By the way, it's Keenholz. We talked about that. It's Lincoln Keenholz. But, um, uh, you know, I had to make sure, 100% sure. I said, that's Lincoln Keenholz, even though the number's not correct. And I – on the field, he looks bigger than he does in person. It's just kind of kind of weird. He he's long. He looks longer in person. He looks bigger. He's going to have to gain weight, as Mark referred to. He's going to have to get bigger and stronger. But on the field, he looks pretty pretty good physically, even, and he's going to look even better. Um, he's a kid that uh, is high state fans have been clamoring with the quarterback's got to run some. Well, he can run some. He's not going to be a Braxton Miller, and I don't think Ryan Day wants him to be that, but he can run. He's got uh, – I kind of refer to it a little bit as the Joe Burrow thing. He can keep plays alive with his legs long enough to make the play downfield on the pass, yet if he has to, go ahead and run the ball. So I think that's kind of exciting for Ohio State fans. Um, 
The other thing that I was talking about is um, help being on the way for the secondary. Uh, Calvin Simpson Hunt, as Urban Meyer used to say, is a grown man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is physically, he looks great. I mean, in a way, he looks like a linebacker somewhat with his lower body, but uh, he runs and moves like a cornerback. Uh, I was talking to a couple people from Texas down there and had not seen him since his junior season and saw him this week. And they said, whoa, he has improved his body. He looks like a completely different person. Uh, He really looks good. And then he went out and did it on the field. Uh, His coach had told me he only gave up one reception to a receiver all season long. And, you know, you're a little skeptical of that maybe. I can understand it now that I've seen him in person. He's that good. Um, Jermaine Matthews, I've been singing his praises for quite some time. So you got two. Kerry Combs used to say, give me two potential first-round NFL draft choices each season at cornerback, and I'll be happy. He's got two potential guys. Oh, that's, like that. oh, that's all he asked for? Just that's, two yeah, really? Every year? Yeah. Eh, uh, just two? Let's, yeah. move, let's move on. He's got yeah, two. It's like so, coming to America. Why not yeah. ask for an extra yeah. one? <laughs> but then you've got Malik Hartford at safety, uh, had a great first day. Uh, and then yesterday w- w- was good too. So uh, they've got help there. And then you've got Haddad Carter, the transfer portal safety from um, Syracuse coming in. So you got two safeties that are outstanding. You've got two corners that are outstanding coming to the program. Now they're going to have to do it. But uh, as the saying goes, the cavalry is on the way. Uh, for the Ohio State secondary. And, um, you know, with uh, with Carter, I was talking to somebody in Texas that was familiar with him. And as they put it, he is a bad dude. And they meant it in a very positive way. So, again, helps on the way. Now, as far as other guys that were there, um, you know, we've talked about Ennis and Tate, and they're everything that everybody, you know, Mark and I, Mark, remember, uh, we talked about that day at Ohio State's camp where, where Tate had the red jersey on and said, is this guy an Ohio State wide receiver right now? He looked that good, and, and he is that good. Uh, Ennis, well, I think on, on in the game on Saturday, you're going to see them try to get the ball to Ennis, especially on short passes a lot, just getting the ball out in space and letting go. He's He is dynamic. Um, uh, the other guy that we have, two other guys we haven't talked about, are Luke Montgomery, He's going to play right guard unless something changes. That's what he worked at. A little tiny bit of right tackle, but he played uh, while I was there, worked almost all at right guard. Um, Height-wise, he didn't measure up to quite the height that he had hoped he would. But I can tell you, almost every lineman there, when they got their heights, they all said, I'm an inch taller than that. So uh, Monroe Freeling, who is a monster, 6'7 kid. He measured at 6'6. Six, six. Uh, the kid that's going to Georgia um, uh, that usually is measured 6'4 to 6'5. He measured 6'3 and a half. So um, reality Luke bites. Measure, yeah. Luke didn't measure the height, but I, I thought he looked good. Um, and what, what, what was the height, Bill? It was 6'3 that he measured. So, okay. That, that's that's uh, what I thought he was. So yeah, yeah that, that's that's the kid I've seen every week is the six three kid. Yeah. So you know, irregardless, he did a nice job, and you know, right tackle, right guard, you know, whatever. He's going into Ohio State as the swing tackle. Um, Justin Fry has told him 
but he's he's a he's a very good player. He's a smart kid. He picks things up quickly, and he he can block. Uh, very athletic. And by the way, he looks good physically. Yeah. He is not the uh, you know your sloppy offensive lineman look wise that sometimes you get in high school. He is not that way at all. Luke looks great. Uh, the one kid I haven't talked about yet is Joshua Mickens. Uh, thought he looked okay until I saw him in the one on ones. Then I said, whoa. First three plays in the one-on-ones, three different moves and three times in a row, just like that, he beat his man. First one, he just drove the guy back on power and got to the quarterback. Second one, uh, he used uh, his hands and just went around the guy just like that. I'm not sure the guy even touched him. And keep in mind, we're talking about the best of the best offensive linemen. The third one, he puts a little little spin move on the guy and right by him. So I said, whoa. Three plays, three different moves, and he beat them all just like that. In general, though, Bill, um, you talked about this. What's the vibe on Ohio State? We spent a lot of time talking about the national narrative here, and uh, I thought Mark hit on this during his opening comments, and that, you know, uh, even within Buckeye Nation, I think not just the loss to Michigan, but there was a general malaise kicking in. and I think there was also some fear they were going to get their butt kicked against Georgia. And when you actually saw them stand in there and, you know, it's like one of those boxing matches. You, I'm not going to say it was Buster Douglas versus Tyson, but when you start to realize, hey, we're in the ring with the champ and his chin may not be as strong as we thought, that can be, you know, encouraging. It also lends itself, like Mark said, to Ohio State's recruiting and how that you know, if, I think when Las Vegas finishes the year, you're going to have – it's going to be Georgia, believe it or not, Alabama, and Ohio State. They're going to rank out higher than anybody else. Did you get the vibe down there that Ohio State reclaimed some of its muster in that game, like you said? Or do people see it as Day is the guy that can't get it done? You know, the two things I heard were, you know, Ohio State is as good as ever, as good as anybody in the country – was, was one of the things, you know, they, they went toe to toe and the feeling was they should have won the game from the people I talked to um, with the team. That's likely going to be the two time national champion. Uh, It was, I heard a lot, you know, it was right there for them to take. They were the better team. They just didn't pull it off at the end. Um, And and then the other thing I heard was uh, people feeling like, uh, why is everybody up there? Uh, why is there so much narrative about Ryan Day and uh, firing the coach, so to speak? They see it on the message boards on Twitter and all. Uh, how can that be? Look what they just did. You know, I heard that a lot uh, from people in Texas that, hey, Ohio State has a coach that can get them where they want to be. They're right there right now, and it's going to come eventually. I hope he's right. I hope they're all right. Um, I do think that it was a, an important, an important uh, effort to show that the, uh, you know, the arrows pointed in the right direction. Had you lost to Michigan and then gotten your buck kicked by Georgia, this thing, I'm not going to say it would have been in shambles, but people would have been questioning the overall thrust of the program. And the second you fall behind or give up a first down in any game next year, the the whispers would start immediately. So thankfully we kept the uh, jackals at bay for somewhat, um, somewhat time there. 
what are your expectations going forward, Bill, for the transfer portal? Are there any other guys we should really watch that you're hearing about? Or is this the kind of thing where it could kind of come out of nowhere because there's a lot of covert operations going on out there and you can let your minds wander? Yeah, I think um, the number one thing is, you know, to continue to watch to see who enters the portal. The entries are not over right. by exactly. any stretch. And I mentioned this um, numerous times that uh, once those bowl games get over, there's going to be another uh, influx of players getting in the portal. Kids like to go to these bowl games, the big ones especially, uh, and get all their, their, their gear and get all the other things that you get at a bowl game. But then, you know, they enter the portal. So the the, no, the next wave is already here, um, and it's going to be continue. So, you know, to keep in mind, Ohio State is continuing to recruit and look for players that are going to help the program. Uh, obviously, they've helped themselves a lot with getting uh, Jihad Carter. Uh, they're still going to be looking for offensive linemen. Uh, you know, the, the offensive tackle position, we've – pretty much all feel is going to be wide open. We expect Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones to not be back. So they're going to be looking for offensive linemen. Uh, they've already offered, I think I've mentioned this before, counting the long snapper, I believe they've offered six offensive linemen from the portal. I think that's correct. Um, uh, at least five, and I think six. And then still cornerback is a possibility. But boy, again, you'd like to have a guy uh, to come in right now with experience and all that. But if they don't, um, you know, from what I've seen and what I, how I feel, um, chess, uh, not, um, uh, Calvin Simpson hunt is a guy that can contribute quickly and Jermaine Matthews can. And if those guys are what I think they are, you know, you don't worry too much about, uh, uh, experience because it's going to not going to be a long time till they're on the field. Denzel Burke was better as a freshman than he was as a sophomore. So it can be done. And uh, like you said, those guys have the pedigree. We appreciate these guys stopping by. We appreciate you, Bucknutters. Have a good one. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.